to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm a little bit tired for this show. I might just take a nap. No, that seems fair. Also joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I support the NAP Initiative. Yeah. The NAP Initiative, we'll get in a second. Pretty good band name. Yeah. Joining us all the way from Mercury Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I was going to talk about how I was tired, but now Glenn's tired, so I know that that means that I'm not allowed to be tired. That's correct. Yes. That is how tired works in the uh, Mission USA Say That organization. Also, before we move forward, sure. important uh, things to discuss, fish pill update. Okay, what do you got? Now, here's what happens to people, you know, they get into doping scandals. Yes. So we they have to full disclosure. Right. That we are definitely hopped up on various substances. Okay. In my case, it's fish pills. Okay. Okay, fish pills changed my life. Right. Okay. For those listening at home who aren't familiar with the phrase fish pills. Omega-3s. You invented it. Do you, you want to break down what you're referring to there? Well, it's it's oil. As far as I understand, and people may check me on this later, there's a guy. and nope. he, you Somebody hands him a fish. Checking yeah. you on it right now. He rings out that fish. Right. You get a certain amount <laughs> no. of oil. Right. He says, hand me another fish. But you're, we're talking about fish oil as in supplements. That talking about omega-3 pills. Yeah. Right. Pills. Yeah. So I got I got on the fish pills. It's unbelievable. Okay. I'm, I'm like going nuts on these fish pills. Well, I ran out. Okay. Okay. And it was a little bit of a panic. Yeah. Were you jonesing for your next I, fix? Well, it's, <laughs> you know, I was like, man, I got to get some fish pills. And people were like, you it's know. far less oily than before. Yeah. You know, people were like, you know, maybe you need to lay off some fish pills. I'm yeah. like. I can quit anytime I want. I just don't want to. Yeah, I just don't want to, so shut up. Yeah, yeah. Shut up your face. Yeah. Like that. Real cool. Sure, sure. And so Is this going to be an after-school special about your fishbowl problem? Right. Okay, so I go to the healthy food store. Yes. Now, I'm not... That, that's not my... New, I don't normally go there. Right. That's not my usual... A little culture shock? Yeah, it's not my scene. So I... You know, I don't know how they do, so I'm just trying to tell them. Right. I go to the lady... Yeah. Behind the counter. I said, fish pills. Yes. And she says, do you mean fish oil supplements? I said, that's what I just said. Okay. <laughs> then I said, I need the good stuff. Okay. You want the top shelf fish pills. I don't want this junk that you sell to these rubes that come in here. Right. <laughs> these hay seeds. They don't know right. what's, uh, right. you know. I want the best, the good stuff that you got in the back. I right. wish I didn't know you well enough that I could live under the illusion that you were making this up. This is exactly what These happened. are exactly the things Glenn says to <laughs> I really walk- confused and overwhelmed retail workers. Th- this is an actual thing. I walked into the health, health and said, give me the good stuff. Right. Okay. She comes out, and this is not a joke. I'm not making this up. Wild Alaskan cod. Okay. Fish pills. Okay. Sure. That's what I'm on right now. Okay. Wild, because the wildness is the thing. Right. That, when that kicks in, boom. Yeah. It's going to be another level. Okay. Okay. So just. We're on notice. We're ready for the wildness to take root and come forth. So, uh, but that's just a fish pill update. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, I mean, with that settled, it feels like we should just get straight into the wisdom then. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into the wisdom. Let's dive in. Yeah, that's probably pretty good. Our first question. I interrupt myself. Whoa. With an emergency. Don't need fish pills to do it. That's all natural, baby. (laughs) 
That's right. Wow. Because we put out a call to action to the Say That listeners, to the okay. people, the super fans, and boy, did they come through. You may okay. recall last week we premiered a song from our super fan band. Super fan band! I guess Glenn's the only one who gets his audio cues on time <laughs> around here. But we <laughs> debuted the song from our super fan band, but we needed a little help from the audience on finding an appropriate name. We tried. Um, we came up with... Offerings that were quite frankly embarrassing. Sure, yeah. Which right. I'm sure we'll have a few more of during this segment ourselves. But we're gonna get creative Ouch. juice flowing here. So we had some it, we had some stuff come in. One uh friend one of our friends, Jose, wrote into us on Tumblr okay. and gave two suggestions I like very much for different reasons. First one is God is not Deadpool. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. Previous reference, so, so I like that it's there's layers upon layers. Right, right, right. Different layers. I think uh, I think it is very punk rock. Yeah, yeah. I think you're kind of double copyright infringing, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. So then his other suggestion, which I like a lot, a lot, is since it's worship type music, he is risen. Oh, that's good. The level I like that on. Yeah. Is people would not realize we're making fun of them. Yes, right. that's really right. true. Yeah. Okay. The CCM host. Oh, welcome back here. Saturdays on Moody Radio again. Got a new single from He Is Risen. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. And But only the, the Say That Super fans would know that that person is taking part in their own mocking. Right, right. So those are all very good. We had an email come into our email inbox from uh, New Zealand superfan Brighty, right. one of the original superfans, who gives us three suggestions I think are all good. The first one, and probably the most, uh, the most uh, serious, uh, the most likely, is so we had uh, this. Our band was made up of our friends Tommy, Alexander, and Pete. So uh, she went Truth on Tap, which I like a lot. I think that's right, good. Right, right. Truth yeah. on Tap. Um, we had uh, I'm Against That. Sure. Yes. Very yeah. good. Yeah. We had uh, Joel Osteen and the Teeth. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's wow. very good. That's, that's really very good. That could be like kind of a 50s doo-wop kind of a deal. So then we had a super fan, also uh, one of the original super fans, Brad Warren, wrote in with several Thank suggestions. You. These are quite good. Um, the Date Mats. Yes. I don't care. Yes. <laughs> You'll get no prizes. Yes. For that kind of nonsense. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, these are good. The Guilt Bits. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. quite good. The, guilt bit. the Love Rumples. Okay. It's very good. Yes. <laughs> of course, a reference to, Edith. we don't know, possibly fictitious uh, elderly lady, church lady super fan, Edith Love Rumple. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the last suggestion from Brad before we get back into some of ours, and I like this, is a reference to one of our band, one of the band members, our buddy Pete Lawson, and also a reference to our many years ago and by the amount of stress and years it took off my life, by my definition, ill-fated live show we did at Wheaton College, and that is Pete and the Red Flags. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow, yeah. that's good. Yeah. I like that quite a bit. We had a, we were, I was reading this list to some of our uh, our friends. We just had staff meeting before we came to Chicago, and uh, uh, Ta- Miss Tasha, uh, I think, was the one who recommended the Legalistic Jeds. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I think that's quite yeah, good. That's so really we've, good. So we've had some stuff coming from people. We've got all sorts of, we got inside jokes. We got making fun of people. Do we Do we want to get a last round up from us as the panel? Sure. kick something around yeah, here? Yeah, sure. Well, I think one thing we could certainly go for is the fish pills. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I have written down from there, see, fish pill updates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, powered by fish pills. Yeah, sure. that's good. You know, that's I good. mean, the, the wild Alaskan cod, it's not yeah. terrible. Yeah. The, ma- no. the mountain goats are very popular, the wild sure. cod. Yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the wild Alaskan cod, it, it, to me, 
what they do is the wads for short. Yes, it's yeah, it's sort of a the their style of music is indie, of sure, course. of course, so very uh-huh. indie. Yeah, but it, we, what you do are Christian versions of ironic sea shanties. I like that. I like and that. everyone wears bowler hats and has the little mustaches that curl at the end. Sure, of course. You know, I, I like the idea of of your delving into the genres with the names because obviously. Right. The name of the band wants to take us into what's the sound going to be. And I was thinking, you know, if you had kind of a all ukulele band with a very emotional, very like there there's the singing is so emotional, they're so quiet you can barely hear the words. Right. I think that band would be called Solomon Sweater. That's good. Nice. That's very very I good. I like that a lot. And yeah. you know, and, and then I thought if you had kind of an 80s leather pants, huge hair, lots of explosives on stage, just go straight into the biblical reference of thorn in the flesh. Oh, that's right. Good. That's pretty that's good. good. Have to, that, that one may already be taken. It feels like that's... I like that a lot. Yeah. I'd be really sad if that was already taken. If you should make it flesh thorn, that's like a death metal band now. That's, <laughs> that's, really yeah, good. that's pretty good. Thorn. Dust bones. There's a lot of, There's a lot in that particular... Yeah. That particular genre. No, I, I think it's, it's uh, uh, important to have... Uh, a name that reflects, you know, the solemnity, sure, of, of course, the, and how of serious course. that we are. Yeah, it's a sober thing. We right. want decent and in order. Right. Well, that might be a perfect name for it. decent and in order. I like that. We could wow. we could tour good. we could tour Presbyterian churches. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, our first album named Tulip. Yes. And then we just go in there. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know the the lead singer, of course, would have to change his name to Johnny Decent. Right. Yes. Sure. And yes. then uh, I'm Johnny Decent, and these are the in orders. Yes. You know? Sure. Yes. <laughs> very very much the opposite of Johnny Rotten. That's right. Exactly yes. right. The the total opposite of Johnny Rotten. You know, he's got the sweater on. Right. You know, to let you know that he's approachable, right. and warm, and non-threatening in any way. Well, absolutely. That's what people want. Yes. Well, you bring up an important you you and Lee both bring up important points there. If, you know, really, if you get down to brass tacks, the point here is to book the gigs. Yes. Right? That's why right. you have a band. That's why you put a band together. And uh, we actually have looked at this a lot recently in kind of some other work we do in Chicago. Not a lot of Christian music venues such as are as it is around. Like you'll have uh, really a lot of big bigger Christian tour acts that tour through Chicago just play straight up secular venues. Like people we've had on the. The podcast recently, um, our friend Zach from Citizen Saints, they're just playing a club where yep. in Chicago. But oh, it's either that or you get booked into a big church. So we have to give it a name for the market. So what a big church is like. So I suggest the Church Growth Consultants. Yes! Nice. Wow. Okay. Now the CGCs. Book them right in there. Now I'm going to blow your mind. Do it. You ready for this? Probably not, but it's going to happen. Okay. Now... People, you know what people like? They like things that are mega. Yeah, that's sure. true. Right? Mega Mart yes. is better than a regular Mart. Clearly. Because regular Mart, you come in, and it's nice, and it's well laid out, and it's all the stuff that you really want. Sure. Then you have a Mega Mart, which is a whole bunch of extra crap. Yes. And then you think, that's great. Yeah. And then you go there. Okay. This is the subtlest of analogies. So it's like... Uh, People, you know what people else like yep. is mega churches. That's right. Because they figure if it's if it has the word mega on the front it must of it, be good. It's like it must church, be good. but more so. 
what we need is a mega band. Do we do need a mega band? Okay, wow. like maybe I want to say, tell me if this is a bad number, but around seventy-five band members. Okay, that's good. <laughs> and you know, like the crew, everybody just up there. Yes, and. Uh, it's just a mega band. So well, you're, you're talking about maybe, I don't know, let's pick a number at random here, 100 people, maybe all playing, let's pick an instrument random here, acoustic guitar at once. Right. Yes. Oh, no, we're copywriting infringing on a real thing a Chicago area church did on Father's Day. Yeah. And it was a mega church. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, but I think that's what we need is a mega band. Okay. Uh, Just uh, m- maybe 30 or 40 people on lead guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and just getting in there and uh, doing it. Yeah, okay, like so that. you're talking about, and I think if I can uh, synthesize some things we got in here, I really enjoyed the the uh, the suggestions from all the listeners. Those were all really fantastic. But I, I'm coming back to fish pills, so I think mega fish pills. Yeah, mega fish pills. Yeah, wow. I think we cracked it, right? Yeah, mega me, wild mega fish pills. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I think uh, the best part of this is uh, neither Tommy, Alex, nor Pete really signed up to be in a band called, named that, but too late. Now it's happened. You're already me, in. On that you. basis, I declare emergency off. Yeah. Yes. Well, get on them fish pills, dude. That's yeah. right. As we get That'll more, change your life. Sure. We'll turn things around. That's your answer to all the questions tonight? <laughs> fish pills. <laughs> that's right. First of all, <laughs> fish pills. Okay? If you're not getting on the fish pills, I can't help you. Glenn is clearly in the pocket of a big fish pill, but that's a topic for another day. That's right. Well, as we go to Mega Wild Fish Pills, if they make another track, and maybe we, maybe Jed, Jed likes the rock and or the roll. Sure, both. Sometimes. So maybe we take in that direction. But where where would where would one find that? Hmm, where probably, can one tune in for quality Christian loud rock content? There's probably no place on the planet. I can't. Think well, of one. Glenn. A scant two, three weeks ago, you would have been totally right, but now you're foolish and have embarrassed yourself <laughs> in front of all the listeners. Because now there's such a show. Oh, that's right. The Bridge, your your three friends here in Chicago, against all logic and reason, have an actual radio show. That's Woo! right, dummy. It's on the airwaves, <laughs> not only radio but secular radio, uh-huh. non-Christian radio. Which, if I'm saying that, like it sounds like I think it's better, you know. <laughs> but it's a full, full-on Christian show. We actually have we borrowed a lot of the format that uh, Lee helped us develop here on Say That, but we have specifically kind of loud rock songs because we are on Q Rock 100.7 Q Rock Online. If you're not in the Greater Chicagoland area, so 3 a.m. Saturday into Sunday, if you want to listen to it live, you can also catch the podcast feeds as the Bridge Loud comes out every Friday. But we're going to give you, we, you may have seen us tweet about it and put some on Facebook. We're going to give you a quick rundown of what the show actually is. So each week, we get a question, much like we do here on Chicago, on Say That. If you want to write in a question to us, that's thebridgeloud at gmail.com. We get a, regist- a dedicated email address for that. And we do what we do on the show. We kick it around. We break it down. We take a little more of a practical approach on some of this stuff, maybe, because, like I said, we're we're actually on a Christian radio. We're on a secular radio station with a Christian show. And um, funny the way uh, kind of radio frequencies work, we were told before we started here in Chicago that... In the south side of Chicago, this um, frequency, 100.7, is this kind of regular, secular, totally hard dark radio station. As you go at a certain point north, it flips to a Christian station, and the number one complaint this radio station receives is people tuning in for the rock and getting Christian music. Yeah. 
Right. So we were pretty clear that they were saying, we love, we love it. You guys talk about the Jesus stuff all you want, but why don't we be cool? Yeah. Right. So th- that leads to Jed's lead in this project. The angle we've taken on that is it's kind of like say that, but for people who are either don't really know much about the Christian stuff or are totally new to it. Yeah. So if you have a friend who maybe is into the loud music and maybe you think would benefit from some of the kind of stuff we say on the show, but isn't going to sit through an hour and 10 hour and 15 minutes of full on kind of Christian stuff. Great way to get them involved. That's kind of what we're doing the show for. And if you just want to tune in, get encouraged, get some, a little different kind of music than you may hear here on the bridge podcast, you can tune in. That's 3 a.m. Central time, Saturday into Sunday, qrockonline.com, or you can find it on iTunes in the bridge loud feed. And if you listen to either the show or the podcast, do us a favor, drop us a note at thebridgeloud at gmail.com because then we can send that on to the station they can let us keep making the show and everybody will be happy about that also very quick note very very quick note Jed and I were both very stoked because for some reason we decided we had to be up at 3 in the morning when the show aired yeah, and then we had to be texting back and forth during the show so that neither of us could get to sleep at a decent hour and we were very stoked about the fact that our lead-in on the show was the Metallica. Yeah. And that was like rock and roll, man. Totally. But then I saw on the feed that like two or three songs before that was White Snake. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Wow. And here we go again. On our own. On our own. We're going down the only road that we've really ever known. <laughs> and we were very, very... Very excited about that and texting old MTV videos and yep. making each other watch videos. But uh, a lot know. of explosions, a lot of pyrotechnics, a lot of guitar solos. Here we go again. We're very excited about. It. Yeah, we're very excited about that. We're very excited about the Bridge Loud. Check that out. All right, and we're gonna throw a, a Bridge Loud style song on the end of this episode. So you get a little taste of what we're dealing with there. We're gonna jump to our first question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, This back-to-school season has been exhausting, and classes haven't even started yet. I'm going back to get my bachelor degree. I'm looking for a good church and also hoping to meet people my age for Christian marriage prospects. I'm struggling with singleness and obviously with finding balance in this new season of life. There are some amazing churches, largely with everyone aged 20 or more years older than me. There are also some services where everyone is my age, but the preaching doesn't work for me. Prosperity theories kind of make me cringe, but even worse is the idea of being single forever. As an introvert, this makes me want to go back home and never leave my house again. But that's also not a realistic coping strategy for someone in their late 20s. I could keep searching for new churches, but I'm so tired of starting over. I could also stay to church where the preaching is fantastic, but I don't think I'd find anyone my age to date. I don't think I can emotionally and physically deal with the potentiality of another decade of singleness. What should I do? And Glenn, why don't you start us off here? Well, uh, here's the thing. is uh, There's actually a, a sort of a stigma that people um, try and work around of going to church and looking for somebody to date. You know, that well, I should be just going for the pure mm-hmm. spiritual whatever, mm-hmm. and it'll be bad. It's not some kind of meat market, Glenn. That's right. I mean— know. We put the five most attractive people from the church on all the flyers for stuff, but it's not some kind of meat market. That's right. It's not some kind of meat market. Uh, there there are a lot of churches that have—we uh, know one in particular here in the Chicago area that uh, has never had its act together in any way whatsoever, but for whatever reason, that's where all the single people go, and the church kind of keeps going. 
And none of these people are asking each other out. They're just circling each other yep. endlessly for year after year after year. So um, here's the thing. If you're going to a church looking to meet someone who is your age and single, that, in my mind, that's fine. That's lovely. I think you ought to be looking for getting for getting some good fellowship in your church. And that's going to tend to be people your own age, generally speaking, you know. So that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But here's the thing. You have to ask yourself, if I'm going to this church because I'm looking for someone who's single that's my own age, and I see them, what would happen then? Sure. Because if you're not going and asking that person out, then let's be honest, there's no point of going to the church where the single people are because you might as well get go to someplace where you're getting fed if you're not going to be asking people out. Um, uh, in the old days uh, of church, and I'm dating myself a little bit here now, uh, but in the old days you would have a singles Bible study or a, a single Sunday school class where you would go and, and meet these people, but you would also have a... Um, uh, the church uh, churches will often do a... a, a, a what they would call a social mixer, but mm-hmm. basically just put on a little bit of music. People can dance. They can sit around. They can visit. There's a punch bowl, and they're, you know, just talk to people, get to know them, and get introduced around that kind of thing. Uh, it, that kind of stuff just has gone away. Uh, we won't go into the obvious reasons why and who exactly is responsible for that, but you know, they kissed it goodbye. That's they kissed the it goodbye. Part. That's all you He's need to know. He's sorry, Glenn. Yes. Kind of. Yeah. So, um, but. I think here's the key thing is if you if you if you're not actually meeting single people and you're not actually asking them out then let's let's not make that the right way to do that. I think the the key question is to ask yourself would a dating service allow you to meet people yeah. in the context of you're ready to date, they're ready to date and it can dial things in in terms of their spirituality as good if not better than they would at church. And uh at the same time, find a church where you're really getting fed yeah. and good doctrine and all that kind of stuff. So in my mind, I think you're a- applying an imperfect solution for both church and for dating. Let's treat those as separate issues. I think it's absolutely right. And Lee, I'd love to go to you on this as a way to kind of address the problem that Glenn's bringing up there is it almost seems a better idea to focus on church for one of these things and then other things to meet the other need, and it really doesn't particularly matter which way you do that, but one of these might be a better option, right? Yeah, definitely. It's it's a, I, I think Glenn's exactly right in that these are not mutually exclusive things. I, you know, I either go to a good church or I date somebody, you know, I, I think we should be greedy about both things. Um, yeah. In the sense that you should, you know, you found a solid church where you're getting fed and you're growing with the Lord, man, w- let's, let's do that for sure, you know? Let's go there. Let's uh, grow. Let's be fed. Let's make relationships, all that kind of stuff. But then what I would say is, you know, the world of Christian community and fellowship does not exist only within the confines of church. What you'll find is that they're like, let's say, I I don't know what town you live in, but if you're in a university town at all, um, even if it's just a community college or something like that, there are ministry things geared towards young people that are not necessarily affiliated with a church. So you might there might be like a worship night, you know, every Monday on the college campus, 
any you know basically anybody in their 20s or whatever is invited or you know and you got people in their 20s and 30s showing up to just worship the lord and hear a good word or whatever that's not the same you know it's not the same thing as a church go find that kind of stuff and and hang out there and get to know some people you might find some bible study small group stuff like that that are involved in different kinds of ministries you know you look up different ministries that where where folks your age are part of the ministry team that might be something like young life or ruf or crew or something like that or just look for a ministry to get involved in and find out who you meet through those places. But I think, I think we can actually, like I was saying before, you can actually be greedy about both things. I want to go to a place where I'm hearing solid doctrine and I'm being fed spiritually. Mm-hmm. I want that in my life. And then I'm going to get extremely strategic and proactive about getting myself in places where I'm going to find other believing people my age. Whether that's a worship night, a Bible study, um, another ministry, uh, some place that I can be a part of outreach and stuff like that. Because these things, your church doesn't have to be the only place that does all of that stuff well. And so I think the idea is um, I I deserve to be in a place where I'm being spiritually fed and I deserve to uh, I, I deserve to have a, a, a you know a good relationship where uh, where I'm with somebody who walks with the Lord and I'm going to go after both of those things pell-mell and just decide I can do both of those things at the same time in different ways exactly as you said I have a really fantastic point Jed before I throw it to you I would make the one uh, distinction that our friend mentions kind of prosperity stuff in the uh, in the question. Most of the advice, all the really all the advice we're giving here is predicated on the idea that the only thing wrong with the church is kind of not particularly engaging preaching. Yeah. That's very different than having theological issues. If, as as Lee's pointing out there, if doctrinally we have something hanky, then no other consideration really matters. We just write off that church. There's right. No, We've Glenn's talked a lot before about the kind of the bad theory of kind of eat the meat and spit out the bones when it comes to bad doctrine and bad theology. You can't you can't get away with that for long. So, right. But if what we're talking about, which is far more likely in kind of mainstream denominational churches, is just it's fine. It just doesn't really connect with me. Maybe it's a little servicey. Maybe it's a little you know prepackaged. It's not my style. What what are we looking for? Is expounding on that point Lee's making that. Church doesn't have to be a one-stop shop, but if we're going to kind of a la carte things as far as I want good teaching and I want good fellowship and I want good uh, relational uh, possibilities, all of those, how, how does it, what does it look like to go about kind of getting all those things for yourself? That's a great question. Well, I think you have to embrace—I uh, think it's being activistly said, and I think you have to embrace that this is about crafting your own solution. In a sense, yeah. you know that that this won't be uh, there. There's not a prepackaged thing that's just waiting for you. You just plug into and it and it covers everything you need. You you kind of have to invent a solution a little bit as you go. So the way that works, and by the way, this is really good training for the rest of life because actually almost every good thing in life requires you to develop a bit of your own yeah. solution to it. There there are very few you know 360 packages that work well. So. This is about, A, uh, really being clear about these are my needs and these are my desires, and I'm, I'm not going to be shy about any of that. I want a, a church with good teaching. I want a church with good preaching. I want a church where I'm known. I want a church where I'm valued. I want a way to meet um, attractive members of the opposite sex that I may date. Uh, I want an opportunity to serve and, uh, and help people who are down and out in Jesus' name. List out everything you want. And then let's not assume at all that all those things will be in the same place. Mm-hmm. Rather, right. we've got them all written down. 
let's for each item note where the places I could find that. Right. Yeah. And maybe what's the optimal place to find that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, sir. And I think that's a great point. Can you break down slightly what you mean by optimal? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So you, let's say you say, I want to find a place to serve in my life. Whether I'm going to meet attractive people there or not, I just I want a place to serve because it's important to my faith. Well, in general... Um, most large churches will have some kind of mercy ministry outreach, and then there are people in that town whose sole thing is doing mercy ministry. There's nothing wrong with teaming up with the church and being a part of their thing. What you may find is they kind of sort of do something three or four times a year, whereas the separate organization does something that's really high quality every week without fail. Well, one of these is actually a, a pretty optimal solution to the thing you're trying to do. You want to get involved. You want to serve. The other is maybe not terribly well organized, maybe not terribly well put together, but it feels convenient because it's all under one roof. Right. It's, it's the same place that you go to church on Sunday morning, so it feels like that maybe makes it easier. Now, this, of course, this is a stereotype. There are plenty of churches out there that do amazing world-class mercy ministry. But, right. you know, as, as a general rule, there, there are plenty that don't, and so... You have, you have one thing that will work really, really well, but it's a specialized solution. I, I go here to serve. I don't go here for other purposes, right? And I think it's about leaning into that, making, <clears throat> making that list. These are the things that I care about. These are the things that I want in my life. Here are the places I can find them. Here are the optimal places to find them. Again, Matt, to answer your question, th- these are the people that do that well, right? eHarmony does the meeting an attractive person really well. Right. They don't do serving other people well at all because that's not their jam. Right. They, that's right. not what they exist to do. And the, yes, sir. Well, I think you're making a fantastic point, but, and the eHarmony thing is a really good point because um, convenience is not necessarily the antithesis of optimal. Yep. But I think what you're laying out is we want to get a certain level of experience out of this. And there's nothing wrong with looking for the most efficient way to do that. Not at all. If the, there's nothing wrong with going to the emergency ministry thing that's closest to your house. Sure, absolutely. Right? Or right. the church where you know a couple of people. You don't. You're not looking for the hardest thing and everything. But what, nope. I think what you're saying is you're looking for. I want to get X level out of this, and I'm not going to compromise on right. that. Yeah. So within that, I can look for the most efficient use of my time to get yeah, that. Yeah, and it doesn't all have to be under one roof. Exactly. exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. But if you're not clear on what your goals and expectations mm-hmm. are, then we can't do any of this planning. Right. And and that's where we very often, you know run into problems. So just to belabor the point slightly longer, there needs to be a metric for how we know if it's working. As Glenn is saying, in terms of dating people, if I'm not going on any dates, then my solution is not working. Right. I want to be dating, am not currently dating. Therefore, the solution that I'm working on that is not a good solution for me. It may be for other people, but it is for me. If I go to the social activities at the church where I'm going to meet single people for six months and I don't go on any dates... It turns out that's not a good solution for me right. for the dating thing. So we, But we need, again, to have a way to evaluate. If I want right. to serve people, but we're never leaving the four walls of the church to go serve people, even though it's a convenient solution on everything else, then it's not meeting my objectives. Right. But again, we have to know what our personal objectives are before we can know how to meet them successfully. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that really is... The as Jed is saying there, you have to know kind of what your goals in this are. And then as these other guys are saying, you can go around kind of piecing together that a la carte solution to meet them all. And within that, there's nothing wrong with looking for the simplest, easiest way to do that. A lot of good. uh, That's the one thing that does kind of straddle good churches, good uh, serving opportunities, good uh, 
kind of dating if you were dating site or a you know singles ministry or whatever they wanted to make it easier for easy mm-hmm. for you to get to their thing you know when That's we have right. people volunteer at the bridge we want to make that a turnkey situation where they can come and be involved we don't want to ask a lot of kind of preparation or deep thought on their part and that's that's by design so there's nothing wrong with saying this i think part of the idea is the assumption that well part of this is going to be a slog mm-hmm. no matter mm-hmm. how i slice it there are going to be unpleasant parts of everything as we pointed out before you're never going to find the church where you agree with every word the pastor mm-hmm. says and everyone there thinks you're awesome and you get along with that's not really a thing that matters uh, that uh, that it ha- happens you're never going to find the singles group dating site whatever that you just go on great dates with people who think you're amazing and it's all great. You know, you gotta. <laughs> you're also never gonna find the church where you just show up and they ask you out. Yeah. Which is what you're. Apparently not. But you're. Yeah, that's what you may be thinking of now. Yes, you missed one, missed that one by a couple of decades. Yeah, I think that that really does get to the heart of this. Where, and it's not a wrong situation again because I think our friend here is falling prey to what a lot of people do, which is. Uh, with the exception of uh, Lee on this show, who's being very honest because he's never talking about just his church, the person you should trust least to tell you what a church does is a pastor. Right. Because there's on that on some level, they want you to come to their church. Mm-hmm. Not that it's a sales pitchy thing, but they're going to give you a best-case scenario yeah. of mm-hmm. if you came in and you were fired up and you met this person who does a lot of serving stuff, so they're only here three Sundays a month, but if you met them and clicked with them, you're like— that's kind of that. That's a good pastor's mentality is mm-hmm. let me tell you how awesome this could be and how awesome it could be for mm-hmm. you. But I think what we're getting so what you're saying is that you know, you can come and the singles are great and the young people and all the thing, and but you have to look at that for yourself and say, what are we actually getting out of this? What do we want out of it? And as we're pointing out, with our if we're, am I going to meet my goal a lot easier if I just get an eHarmony account and go yeah. to the church with the people I like? And that's right. Again, there's not a right or wrong answer there, but it's definitely the way to think about it, Lee. Well, and also, just as Glenn was saying earlier, you, you can't expect to do this without awkwardness yes. or without yeah. weirdness. If mm. if one of the issues that you're having is you're admittedly shy, you know there, that that's a personality thing. But that's something that you want to go on the offensive on working right. on because that's the piece that's going to be that there is no there's no version of this that's that's just comfortable, simple, and just one stop shop kind of deal. It's that's something that's going to have to be faced up, head up. It's, there's going to be some awkwardness in dating. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely, and there is nothing wrong with that, knowing that about yourself and saying, you know, large group mixers and whatever take a lot out of me. So if I go to two of those and nothing is moving forward in this part of life, then it's time to start cruising Match.com in my pajamas because that's more mm-hmm. comfortable for me. Again, no. none of this is that you have to boldly strike out and be a new person and conquer all your things in one go, but you're looking for the smart solutions that kind of will allow you to po- to get to these points that Lee's talking about where this is just a part of it. If you have a smart kind of efficient solution around that, you can power through those a lot easier. We'll move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr box and it says, I recently moved to the DC area to start an amazing new job. And your advice was a big part of getting me to move on to that new job. Woot. Great. Very welcome. (laughs) Part of my new daily routine consists of walking to and from the metro for my daily commute into the city. I've never lived in a major city before, so I'm not used to seeing large homeless population. One of the things I quickly noticed in my daily commute was that while walking, I run into the same few homeless individuals, and I don't know how to respond to them. 
How should we as Christians living in major cities respond to and reach out to the homeless population? If we see the same individuals every day, is there something different we can slash should do? This weekend, while I was walking out of Whole Foods, there was a homeless man begging. He was going up to everyone and saying that he didn't, hadn't eaten in three days. I didn't know what to do, and I felt so out of my comfort zone, not sure what to do, that I ended up doing nothing. And that's been really bothering me ever since. I keep thinking about Jesus saying, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. So what is some good, practical, solid advice that I can act on? It's a great question, and Lee, why don't you kick us off? Well, one of the first things we want to say is um, it's really cool of you to ask the question because, you know, this thing is heavy on you and, and specifically this situation. And you're saying, I want to I want to do this well. I want to figure out how to do this. And, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. We respect that because a lot of folks will keep on walking. Don't give it another thought. Not even going to think about it ever again kind of deal. So we respect that. And so thanks for writing that in. One thing I would say is uh, as we look at something like this, I think it's a good idea to kind of parse this out into like, what are some things I can do on the short term? What are some things I can do just in the moment? Or divide that out between what are some things that I can do to be a part of a long-term solution for the homelessness in the city where I live? Yes. I think those are two completely different questions. So uh, as far as the first question, you know, you, you're, you're going about your business and you roll up on somebody who is in a bad situation. Um, I've actually spoken to homeless people before and 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 just kind of asked the question like, hey, this is, you know, I, I don't know what this is like. Just give me some give me some examples of of what is it you really are, are wanting people to to help you out with, to hook you up with in this in the middle of the situation. And I've had homeless people say before that they really love it if people can can slide them a bottle of water. A lot of times they're in the middle of the heat, they're in the middle of the day, and they don't get, uh, you know, just good clean water to drink. And I, I've also heard folks say, you'd be surprised, but we like those little fruit cups, little little cups of the soft fruit, don't get a lot of fruit in our diet, it's easy to chew, that kind of stuff. This is kind of short-term stuff, I'm not telling you you need to pack that stuff in your bag every time you go out in the city. Don't know, you know, this, this is not like a, this is how you need to live your everyday thing. I'm just saying, having spoken to some folks, th- these are things folks have shared with me personally. I think one of the the larger question here is, what is the long-term significant impact that I as an individual can have on the homelessness that is in the city where I live? And I think that the place we want to start there is, is go find out what are the rescue missions and homeless shelters that are already doing good ministry in D.C. or whoever's listening to this show, whatever city you're in. Um, Depending on the size of your city, there is somebody that's about this ministry right now. And a lot of the places, like, for instance, I I live near Knoxville, Tennessee. In Knoxville, we have a rescue mission um, called the Knoxville Area Rescue Mission. They've got a bunch of really cool, really great, you know, competent, caring folks on staff who not only provide beds and food for, for homeless folks in Knoxville, but they provide all kinds of stuff. They have classes that they do. They do counseling. They provide uh, jo- you know, job training. They, do, um, they give people training on how to interview for jobs. They help people figure out how to dress for job interviews and that kind of stuff. Th- this is a, this, this, it's, a, it's a very rich ministry in the sense that it's, there's a lot of enrichment there beyond just feeding and housing. And... And it's one of those things where if you find out like, okay, where can I get involved with a ministry like this? How can I, how can I put my hand in, you know, put my hand to the plow with what these guys are doing? You would be part of, you know, of something that's, that's huge, that's entrenched, that's 
that is uh, the folks that know what they're doing. The other thing is when you're talking to a homeless person on the street, that you can help them say, you know, do you know where the missions are? Do you know where you can get fed tonight? Because I've done the research, and let me tell you, this place right here, if it's a Tuesday, head down there, and this is where you can find a meal, you can find some nice folks to talk to, and that kind of stuff. So I think that's, for me, that's one of the, the larger questions is, how can we steer people towards the ministries and the folks who are professionals who are, who are already doing this ministry in your city? That's an excellent point, and Jed, love to go on you, to you on this because we actually, at our bridge service, which is specifically for folks like this, but we point out is not a food program or a housing program, we give a very similar speech. What do we tell folks at the bridge? Well, what we tell them is we're going to give you a great meal tonight, and we want you to come back next Tuesday. Uh, this is a meal that celebrates the fact that you're working hard to make changes in your life. This isn't a handout. This is a celebration because you're you're making changes, and we see that, and we appreciate that. We want you to eat well every single night of the week. And if you're not sure that that's going to happen, then we want you to talk to us because we have all kinds of resources, just like Lee is describing, that lists here's everywhere you can go. Mm-hmm. And here's who you talk to when you get there right. in order to get groceries, uh, food pantries, the, the whole thing. We can, we can hook you up because we want you to be helped. But one of the things that's very, very foundational to our work at the bridge, and it's foundational really of any high-quality mercy ministry, is recognizing you can't force help on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, You're right that Jesus did in Matthew 25 uh, talk about, you saw me hungry and you did not feed me. Jesus also said directly to a man who had been paralyzed for many years, do you want to be healed? Right. And Jesus said that because even Jesus isn't going to force help onto people. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you're, you're new to living in a large city. I've lived in Chicago almost 20 years, and I'm not joking when I tell you there are people that were panhandling when I moved here that are still panhandling on the same corner today. And it's not because they have no other alternative. Exactly right. Exactly right. This, this is a, a lifestyle choice. That's one of the things that makes... Any kind of mercy ministry, but particularly homeless ministry, difficult is you have a certain number of people that are down on their luck, that are desperately trying to move forward. They're not sure how. They're not sure what to do with that. You have a certain number of people that like being homeless. Right. It sounds weird when I say that. What sociologists have found is that the working out of homelessness is similar to addiction. It, mm-hmm. There's an addictive quality to that lifestyle. We, mm-hmm. we deal with a lot of homeless people. You would not believe me when I tell you the number of them that love being homeless. Yep. I mean, just if you're homeless in Chicago, you got to be committed to that. Yeah. If you if someone says, let's get you into a shelter and you say no, you're dug in. Absolutely right. But of course, there are a lot of people, again, that are down on their luck. They, you know, things, you know, they lost their job. They didn't know what to do. They're on the streets. They more than anything, they want to they want to make a change. And you're right to say, hey, I'm just one person. What can I do? Here's what you can do. Here's what we do. Here's what I recommend you do. And again, as Matt's saying, it's just connected with what we do at our bridge service. Find a high-quality homeless outreach in the Washington, D.C. area. I imagine there are many of them. They're but, there. But, but find one, and as it relates to our last question, find one that's convenient for you to go to. Uh, it's, that's great. Volunteer there every once in a while. Doesn't have to be all the time, but be good for your walk and be good for your, for your spirit to do that. And get some cards from that mm-hmm. ministry. Carry a stack of those cards in your purse. When somebody asks you for something, say, hey, I actually don't have you know any money on me, but... I do have this card. If you're hungry, these people have a great meal, and I know them. I've right. been over for one. Tell them Cindy sent you. Right. When you get over, they, they know me. Uh, I can vouch for you. Um, they, they'd love to see you. Here's the thing about that. The people that are trying to make changes will be delighted to have that card, delighted to have that information. Uh, they may well act on that. 
the people that are choosing a lifestyle of panhandling will smile and keep panhandling. That's right. Um, but that's actually the most effective thing that you can do uh, to, to help them. You kind of hinted in your question you'd be a little bit concerned about your safety. That's actually a smart insight. Yes. That's mm-hmm. part of yeah. why it's good to work through an established ministry as opposed to just ran, rolling up on random people on the streets. But you can volunteer to ministry. You can get those cards. Your heart is in the right place. Your heart is in the right place to want to help, to not just you know, not care about others. But we want to do that in a smart and strategic way, and that's a way that you can do that. That's absolutely right. And to that safety point, another reason that the uh, knowing places and referring people, we have uh, that thing Jed was mentioning at the bridge. We actually have a, a full-page printout that we that our, our friends Pete and Tasha researched of this is uh, food pantries where you can go get food seven days a week. If it's Monday, right. you can go here. If it's Wednesday, because that's the way a lot of places work. They kind of do their food pantry thing or soup kitchen thing on one day a week. But the other thing that being able to hand that out does is, to the safety point, minimizes contact. That is, uh, somebody says, hey, do you have a bug? Say, I don't. These people are great. Thank you. Hold me. I'll set you up. Right. And then you continue on your way, which I think, Glenn, if I can go to you on this, there's an emotional component here yeah. to... Um, there's a very specific thing in the church, which if you've people who've kind of done homeless ministry or you'll hear your pastor say it, you'll hear, I've heard musicians and they'll say, I always tell them, no, I don't have any money, but I'll buy you a cheeseburger. Let's go and sit <laughs> right, down. And I, right. and I sit with them and here's a picture of us sitting together right. and I sat down next to them, right. which on some level, if that's your thing, you hear that voice of the Lord, whatever, great. Sure, sure. But there's a kind of canonizing of that, of what you really want to do is go as deep as possible with the person who crosses your path. Right. Because that's how you really fix this. And I think we want to push back against that, right? Absolutely. Let's be honest. Uh, here's the need that homeless people have. A home. <laughs> it's right there in the title. Yeah, that's a big clue. Okay. <laughs> Our friend Maslow would say, start there. Yeah. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, when we encounter homeless people, and we encounter a whole lot of them, uh, the and they want whatever they want. We say, well, what? Okay, you know, if, if you need food, if you have a home and you need food, here's a list of food pantries, as you're saying. If you don't have a place to stay and you need a place to stay, let's get you into a shelter and let's do that right now. And I and you know, we know the people in those shelters, as, as Jed was pointing out. You know, you know, head over here, tell them I sent you, and so on and so forth. They'll even if they don't have a bed, they'll make one available for you because they know me over there, etc. And so on. But if you so much as blink at me funny when I say shelter, like right. you don't want to go, you're telling me you're not ready to solve your problems. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about that is, uh, as Jess pointing out, there are a certain number of people who are homeless that really are ready for that help, and they're ready for it right now. Yeah. So it's a way of telling right away which type of person we're dealing with. I mean, I, I guess what we're trying to say, and it may be hard for like non-professionals to get a sense of this, but to, to, to maybe to you, you see all homeless people as the same because they're all going through the same physical struggle. Yeah. We see a very big divide between people who are down on their luck and are ready for anything that yeah. can help their situation and people who've chosen to be homeless and, and may have mental health issues and so on and so forth. But I think you're absolutely right. And I wonder if I can get you to expand on that, because as you're saying, when people don't do this professionally, that may sound harsher than, uh-huh. it, than right. you mean it to. Right. We make that divide. That is the divide of where will our efforts do the most good? Right. This is not a judgmental divide. Right. This isn't a, well, if you don't want my help, screw you. you know? Absolutely not. People come yeah. to the bridge 
at some point and we'll give you a funny look about shelters. You tell them on the way. And then a couple of years later, they'll come back and be more than happy for all the help. So that's right. how, again, does that come down to divorcing this from that emotional itch? That's right. We may want to scratch in ourselves. Well, that's right. Because here's the, here's the, the hard, cold reality. We can't help everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have to figure out who's ready and yeah. start there. It, if I help everybody that's ready and I get down to people who need a little convincing, well, then, you know, that would be great. I, I haven't gotten to that place in my career, so that's that's the thing. Here's the other deal with this. For some reason, homeless people get all the press. Mm-hmm. Homeless people get all the attention on this stuff. If you look at urban ministry and, and mercy-type ministries, homeless people are actually the smallest slice of that pie in terms mm-hmm. of people who need help. There's lots of people who have homes, they just don't have food in the yeah. house. Lots and lots and lots of people who have homes and have a little bit of food in, in the in the pantry, but they don't have a job, and yeah. they're going to r- run out of a home and food if they don't get any a job. now. And that's a much larger group. Uh, in any major city, you have a lot more people in jail than you have homeless, and yeah. I mean probably 10 times more in jail than are homeless, and a lot less attention and focus and resources going towards uh, ministering to those people who are behind bars, and of course the families that are affected by that and so forth. Uh, I think uh, uh, crisis pregnancy stuff should be on everybody's radar and hardly ever is. Uh, And uh, even if you don't have the skills or the ability or time or whatever it is to be directly involved in these things, there's lots of things you can do in terms of canned food drives that you then take to the uh, uh, food pantries and so on and so forth. Lots of ways to be involved in all this kind of stuff. But I think uh, people tend to gravitate towards the homeless thing because it's more visible. And, the pro- and, and that's where the emotional component comes in that, that Matt's talking about. But here's the thing. When we look at the profiles of individuals that we deal with and we say, okay, who's, the, who's ready to move forward right now? And we'll mm, start there. Right. And then we'll work our way down. Uh we find uh, those guys at the jailhouse and the, the ladies at the crisis pregnancy center and uh, you know some of these people who are down at the food pantry trying to get things together. Those people are ready right now, and, yeah. they're, real, and they're in desperate need. And, and so if we can get in there and give them anything. You know, recently we had a guy come to the bridge. He'd been trying for a long time to get a job. He's, he's at a shelter. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing there. Uh, he's getting his life together in terms of his addiction. He he finally gets a decent job, and it's a good-paying job, and it's got good benefits and everything. But they tell him, you have to have these certain kind of boots. And yeah. the specifications on these boots were insane. They had to be black. They had to be this color. They had to have this kind of sole, and it was kind of... This a, height. This I mean, it was just nuts. It, it was, was a uniform, essentially. They had to be exactly yeah. these. Yeah, and it was just... I, literally, you couldn't find them anywhere on the internets. It was that level of specificity. But we finally found something, and it was... Everybody, drop what you're doing right now, tonight. Yeah. We're going and getting these boots, and we're going to get these boots to this guy. That's a smart investment. That's a smart use right. of your time because it's a critical thing for a guy who's doing everything he can to move forward. Mm-hmm. It's wrong for me to say to the guy who needs the boots, I can't get your boots for you because I'm busy trying to give food to this guy who refuses to go to a shelter and get his life together. <laughs> yeah. It's a crime to step over this yeah. guy who's ready to move yeah. forward now. 
help somebody who's not ready. So that's, I think we have to really get uh, smart about that more than emotional about it. I think you're absolutely right. I think as we talk about in a lot of places on the show, there's probably a, a different application of this idea. Um, guilt is never a help. Yeah. And I think what Glenn's talking about here is a part of the reason that um, maybe an undue amount of at least emotional, if not uh, physical resources from lay people, at least goes to homeless people is because uh, you feel guilty when you look mm-hmm. at someone who has the little cardboard yeah. sign and they look dirty and they have a dog with a bandana and right. the whole thing. If you don't give them a buck, you feel super guilty. And it must be said, and again, not just Melly, but this probably has more to do with mental illness than most things. Um, there are a certain amount of homeless, the homeless population in large cities that are not confused about the fact that they probably do better if they try to make you feel guilty. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a lot of, oh, well, you won't look at me and the whole thing. And again, we're not judging that. But if you can do a lot of, a lot of what will help you get your mind around this is if you can uh, get yourself out of the way. Very mm-hmm. Christian, kind of laying yourself down thing. Mm-hmm. Down. Let's not look at what's going to make me feel better. Let's look at what's going to help someone. That's who right. can get some help. Right. And the other thing that does is, and I can speak for the three of us up in Chicago, first of all, none of us carry cash yep, because right. uh, for a number of reasons, one of it's being uh, we're all very soft touches, and if we carried cash to the bridge, we would never leave with any cash. That's exactly but right. But also on this, it's good to be able to truthfully say to someone, I don't have any cash, man. So right. Sorry. But the other thing on that is it's it's pretty much impossible to make me feel guilty for not giving you a buck on the street when I'm on my way to help out at the shelter with the place because right. I've got my ego and my emotional need scratched on that. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. allows a clearer head to yeah. say, am I really helping this person? Is this a good use of my mm-hmm. time and all that stuff? Exactly. No, a lot of that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but really, when you start off there, it really does help you out. All right, we move our final question here. It comes in to our email inbox, and it says, Hey, guys, thank you so much for your work and your podcast. It has been a valuable resource to me as I've been going through a season of unlearning some old ways and some toxic theologies. Hmm. Is it too late to put in toxic theologies as a band name? Well, that's the first record. Okay, yeah. that's very good, yeah. Then a second is unlearning toxic theology. Absolutely, this is all very good. A lot of your got a lot a lot of your advice regarding building a life giving marriage talks about both partners giving a hundred percent of their energies toward the marriage, and anything less will likely not cut it. I've been married to my wife for three and a half years. The majority of that time, she has been in treatment and therapy for mental illness. Because of this illness, almost all of her energies are devoted to treatment, while most of mine have gone towards the role as her caregiver. To remain in that role for this long, I found that I have suppressed much of myself, my desires, and my pain in order to give her the support she needs, or at least to keep things together. I know that this imbalance is not sustainable, but I don't know what else to do. I feel stuck. She's already overwhelmed with her recovery work, and I'm wearing down. Do you have any input for a scenario like this? Do you have any input for those whose spouse is wrestling with a mental illness and can't give as much of themselves towards the marriage? I'm trying hard to figure out what a sustainable role as a husband should be in this scenario, but that's proven to be difficult a difficult question to answer. It's a fantastic question. Jed, can you kick us off? Well, brother, thanks for writing in. I'm so sorry for what you're dealing with. Mm. And I'm I'm so sorry for what your wife is dealing with. And uh, we love you guys. We're praying for you. Let's start with something that seems small, but I, I think it's going to give us a, a good way to think about this. Um, there are few things in life better than a foot rub. That's correct. It is, it is fantastic. It, yeah. it is the balm for a weary soul. And here's the crazy thing about it. Unless you don't have hands you can give your spouse a foot rub. That's right. Even if you only have one hand, 
you can give your spouse a foot rub. Even if you're in an emotional crisis, yes, you can give a foot rub. You, you super can. There may be a million things that you can't do. And in fact, the truth is, in every marriage at all time, there are things you want to do for your spouse that you can't do. Right. That's, That's right. in you know unavoidable part of marriage. But you can give them a foot rub. You can stop everything right now and rub their feet. Mm-hmm. You, you can do that. And as you give said foot rub, you can say, tell me about your day. And you can listen to the words they say as they tell you about their day. And then at the end of foot rub and having listened, you can give them an encouraging thought. Mm. I believe in you. Right. I think you can do it. And then you can give them another foot rub. Right. You, anybody, literally anybody can do those things. Anybody mm. can give a foot rub and ask how's your day and listen to the response and offer an encouraging word in response. Anybody can do that. The question that I have for you is, are both of you guys doing those things for each other? Mm -hmm. Whatever else may be true, are there mutual foot rubs going on? Mm -hmm. And if there aren't, I don't want us to judge ourselves, because you think that's what I'm about to say. You think I'm going to say that you should feel bad. That's not not the point. The thing I want you to ask yourself, because I suspect there are not mutual foot rubs, is why not? And I want you to think carefully about that answer. The right answer is not because we're bad. Eh, It's not like that. Mm -hmm. Practically speaking, if we're not giving mutual foot rubs, and again, I suspect from your question that we're not, why not? There's, There's a few things that could be going on there. So one, of course, is the thought with so many problems, could this possibly make a difference? Yep. This little, we have, our world is on fire. Right. How is me giving a foot rub going to make any difference? All right. We all feel that way about something. We all get that deep down. Here's what I'm telling you. A, you got to start somewhere. B, a foot rub can change the world. Right. Uh, Try me. Right. Start giving and receiving foot rubs and I give you a money back guarantee. If that doesn't change your perspective even a little right. bit, email right. me back and right. I will I will return the money you paid to listen to this podcast. Right. But for a lot of us, we look at little things. We say, this couldn't make a difference. This this couldn't matter. We're wrong about that. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason we're wrong about that is it's all little stuff. A healthy marriage mm-hmm. is actually the summation, the integral, if you will, of about a million little things that we do consistently. If again, if we're not doing the ones that we can do, why not? So if the first one is, is we're afraid that it wouldn't matter, maybe swerving all the way to the far opposite end is a sense of we're in a crisis mode, so we got to get out of this crisis. All bets are off right now. Mm-hmm. We got to get out of this crisis mode first, mm-hmm. and then we can deal with little things. Let me stop you there. There are few things more poisonous to a long-term relationship than the idea we're in a crisis mode, so mm-hmm. all bets are off. That cannot work. Um, I've been there. Uh, When my wife and I got married, holy cow, that was an incredibly difficult period in our lives. You can't stay in a crisis mode. It makes sense to be there for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. But at a certain point, we got to say, this is our new normal. We are no longer in crisis. We have to normalize. We have to figure out what are the things we can do to serve each other now? What are the things that we can do to support each other now? We can't live as if we're in a crisis mode for years at a time. It's possible, yes, that the answer to we're not doing these things for each other and the why not is we just don't want to. That's possible. That's actually the unlikeliest answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the likeliest responses are some combination of we're we're not sure that it would help. Um, We're at a crisis moment, so all bets are off. But there's one other thing that I bet is standing in the way, and I'd really have you look at on the if not, if we're not giving the foot rubs, why not? And that is... Are we telling our spouse, 
I want a foot rub. Right. Because if we're not doing that, the whole thing begins to break down. I feel loved when there are cans of soda in the refrigerator. Right. Not bottles. Right. Cans. I'm a weirdo. Right. That's one of the ways I experience love is when I open... The cans are colder, Jed. The, the cans can, are colder. The can, you are right, Mr. Younger. The cans are colder, which makes them better. Science. It's a superior experience. All right. I'm a weirdo, but one of my love languages is when I open the fridge and there are cans of soda in it. My wife, who is not a weirdo and also not psychic, can't possibly know this if I don't tell her this. Right, right. Now, we're all human. We all have struggle. We all have limited time and resources and whatnot. But I have to tell my wife, you know, it would actually mean a lot to me um, if when we shop, we get cans of soda and they'd be in the fridge. If I'll tell her those words, then she can do something about that. She can serve me in a meaningful way and, and, and vice versa. I think one of the things for you is, are you communicating to your wife here are little things that you can do that would mean yeah. a lot to me. Because, yep. brother, if you're not telling her that, and you'd be tempted not to, you'd be tempted to say she's struggling so much, whatnot. If you're not telling her, that's part of why she's not doing it. And here's the key thing. You're cheating her as much as you. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you've got a wife who loves you, and I bet you do, she wants more than anything to have practical ways to serve you. Absolutely. She wants to be able to hook you up, and I bet she doesn't know how. Yep. If you're not telling her the ways to do that, then she can't know how. Yeah. So again, let's figure out, are we giving each other foot rubs? If not, why not? And let's start fixing those problems as we can get started on our way. I think that's entirely right. And part of this, as you're saying, is we, when we talk about giving all you have at the uh, on the sh- on the show about marriage, that's a hundred percent thing. Yeah. You could, but it's okay if you only give a hundred percent of what you have. Yes. This idea that we were dealing with stuff and everybody has moments where a hundred percent of what they have is not as much as they'd like to give to something, but that's okay. But that comes from kind of understanding as you're saying, the places we're at and our roles in this marriage and Lee, maybe you can uh, give us a little more insight on that. Yeah. I think that one of the things that, that if you've never dealt with, like if you're new to mental health issues, um, one of the things that can be confusing about it, and, and I'd say you're probably, you know, at this stage, you're not new to it, but a lot of folks on the outside that are new to it, one of the things that they don't understand is it is a medical issue. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in the I am in the midst of a medical issue. This is not something I'm choosing. It's not something I'm deciding. It's not something I can turn off. I can turn off the light switch in the bathroom or something like that. And so when you understand that, you do you do start with a baseline of, I am the primary caregiver for my wife. And just like if I'm having a medical issue, she's the primary caregiver for me. Now, within that, one thing that you know is if I'm having a severe medical issue, I can't, if my spouse is having a severe medical issue, I can't do that by myself. I need to find out who in our community, who among our friends or family, who's around us that can help us. Because just as Jed, like, I love the way that Jed, you know, came after this of like, Within the situation that you are in, how can you take care of each other better? And the one thing that I would add to that is within the situation that you're in, where you are the primary caregiver in the midst of a mental health, which is a medical issue, within the situation you're in, how can you still have balance in your life Mm -hmm. while you're the main person that's taking care of your wife? And so if you have like, let's say that you have, um, you've got several you know, maybe support folks, maybe they're friends of your wife or folks from church or whatever. If you don't have those people identified, it's time to really, really, really get serious about looking for that. You cannot be the only person 
who takes care of your wife. That that's not what giving a hundred percent to this mm-hmm. this situation means. It's mm-hmm. not you are the only person who is in the room. That's not what this means. It does mean you're the first responder, but it doesn't mean that you're the only person. So we need to find out who those support individual individuals are. And then, and this is the key piece. You need to find out the people that are going to support you and your family and your you and your wife in this situation. We need to get real strategic about what it is you're missing, what it is you're looking for, what it is that may, would make you feel filled up and balanced. So let's just say, just as a off the top of my head, like if if the thing you're missing in this in the middle of this tough time is like, I would just love to get together with the guys on Sunday afternoon and watch this one pro team pro football game, you know, this one team that we all love. That would just, just, you know, snacks, football, that, that would be awesome. That'd be a great way for me to start my work week and just kind of all that kind of stuff. All right. So now we have a strategic thing. So with our support personnel, that's where we want to prioritize that help because that way somebody else comes in to, to carry the, you know, to take the baton from you and you get a chance to hang with the guys and do this thing. That way you have the balance. You are the first responder because this is your wife, but you're not the only person carrying the load. And we're strategically using the support staff and the friends and the family that we have so that you get a chance to fill up, whether that's, you know, I go watch a Kung Fu movie with some friends or I go watch a Kung Fu movie by myself with the biggest popcorn that's ever been made for a human being ever. Whatever that thing is, that not only do you get some help, but you're really intentional and strategic about when you get that help and what you do with the new time that you have, okay? So that you can find both, I am the primary caregiver, I am the first responder, but I also strategically use the help that I have so that my life has the support, I'm supporting my wife, and it has balance and I get filled up and all that kind of stuff on the outside of the situation, I think that's absolutely right. And Glenn, I think uh, Lee touched on something very important there, which is uh, both partners have to have an active role in a marriage. Uh, What that is and the proportions of that are obviously always changing. But I think when someone's going through a hard time, as Jed put it, crisis mode, um, there can be a false assumption that, well, clearly what's best for the person who's having the medical issue, the mental issue, whatever, is to totally just do nothing and have the other partner do everything for them because that's more time to heal and that'll that'll help everything out more. But I think the idea of an active things they can do and a sense of purpose is in a lot of ways more helpful, right? Absolutely right. I I think if here's a thing I, I think you want to do in any marriage is you want to go to your spouse and say, give me one thing that if you didn't have to do it this week, it would just, yeah, you know, one thing that I can do that, and that might be, you know, taking out the trash. It might be pick clean, up the dry cleaning. Pick up the dry cleaning. The here's the thing about that is it certainly is true in my marriage. Every now and then, my wife will say, "If I can get you to do this one thing, I can handle everything else. But if I have to do everything else plus this thing, I'm going to lose my mind." Here's the here's the funny thing. Pretty much 100 percent of the time, the thing that she mentions that she that, that that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back is so easy for me. I'm, I, I'm agreeing to do it halfway before she's through making the case for it. If you see what I'm saying. is next door to the Burger King. I'm already yeah. going to be over yeah, there. Yeah, I'm going to be over there. It's the easiest thing in the world for me. It's not even a, but for her, that's the difference between life and death. Well, you start to realize 
uh, when we're trying to do this thing as a team, we're doing a crappy job because there's stuff that's super easy and handy for me to do that are killing her and vice versa. So I think you are, I think you should be looking for that regardless. Now, as Jed is mentioning, I think uh, if you have somebody who has an emotional struggle, you're looking for things that are kind of physical and practical, like a foot rub, for example. It might be, you know, can you run to the store and pick up a thing or whatever, you know, do, do, handle something. But uh, here's what that will do is, first of all, uh, it will be a real uh, encouragement and boost and, and, and benefit to you as the person receiving that help. Second of all, it will help. The, the other person will derive a great deal of confidence and happiness and satisfaction of, that I'm doing these things and those things are really making a huge difference yep. in this guy's life. That's that's something fantastic to build on. And here's the thing that, that happens uh, with that is uh, particularly if you're looking at uh, uh, certain medications you may be taking, maybe kind of zonked out for uh, 12, 13, 16 hours of sure. the day. So uh, picking things that can sort of be scheduled in there at whatever odd times they're mm -hmm. not sort of time dependent can also help a great deal. But, uh, uh so it, you know, being organized within that and having simple things to do, uh, uh you know, really makes a difference. But the, I think having that sense of purpose, mm -hmm. having that sense of I'm doing something, I'm accomplishing something, I'm making a difference. If you're dealing with that at the same time, if, if you have that feeling at the same time as you're dealing with mental health struggles, Suddenly, I think that could be part of the recovery process. Yeah. And in addition to being better for the marriage, I think it's better for the mental health itself. So I think looking for those key things, and, and as, exactly as Jed said, you, you've got to communicate those things to one another. And I think that may start with you know sitting down and having that conversation back and forth. What's, what's one thing that would really make a difference? And then build on those things to where you're, you're being a better team with one another. I think you're absolutely right, and uh, these guys gave you a lot of good stuff. I'll give you some, a couple of very, very practical things kind of the end here, on the end here. There's a, a organization called the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. So it's a medical uh, kind of uh, conglomerate of people who deal with this kind of stuff, and they have a website that's adaa.org. And one of the uh, kind of, if you click through there, one of the sections is, and this is true as well in things we do with like, uh, kind of addiction and jail is there's a spousal and partner kind of here's something for you. And here are the big bullet points I get for helping yourself. I think this is all stuff we talked about, but kind of reinforce that this is medical. So one is don't give up your own life and interests. That's kind of Lee's talking about with, if you like football or you want to play guitar or whatever, if you find a couple hours to do something yeah. you dig that you like, that's awesome. Maintain a sports system. We talked about that. That's great. Set boundaries. Yeah. We talk about, we talk about boundaries a lot on this show and, one of the misconceptions is that the really good people who are cool and we like and like us will be the ones who don't need boundaries. Yeah. And we talked about you know, we talked about it with kids and elderly relatives and pastors and, and the same thing goes for people with uh, illnesses and issues. Again, this is not a judgment on that, but oftentimes that's where you have to draw the clearest boundaries. And the last one, I think this is a very good one: is seek, don't be afraid to seek professional help for yourself if necessary. Um, yeah. so being in a being in a marriage with someone who has uh, serious health or mental health issues 
is a draining thing. That's recognized mm-hmm. by medical science. So if you need to see a therapist yourself a little bit, or one thing I have heard people have success with stuff like this is support groups. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. your uh, wife's doctor may know, well, there's a thing, and it meets in the church basement. It's the six guys who or six people who have a kid or something's going through this. They all sit down and kind of swap ideas, and that stuff can be super helpful. And again, you don't want to cede so much of the couple's mental energy and time to your wife's stuff, which obviously is the primary thing. But if we're going to be a team, we got to be a team both ways. And you can put, we have to have mm-hmm. some time and mental energy left over for what you're dealing with. And the other thing I would say at the end of this is all this takes some dialing in. So yeah, yeah. as yeah. all things, you know, like Glenn's saying, you know, well, let's try something that she can do. And we, can you run to the store and grab this, that, and the other? And maybe she gets halfway through it and says, you know, I had some trigger kickoff. I had an anxiety attack. I had right. the store. That's no problem. We can figure out, is there a different store to do everything? Mm-hmm. And I think the weird thing about that is I think you will both feel better for her having tried. That's yeah. right. You will say exactly. she wanted to go to the store. So that's, that makes me mm-hmm. feel a million times better. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to try and fail at this kind of stuff. There's one quick final thing. I really want to reinforce, Matt, something you were just saying in terms of, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to someone for your own self. I'd actively encourage you to find someone who has experience helping people with mental health issues, perhaps someone who has some pastoral experience, because the details really matter here. Um, The the stuff that you've written, to be honest, based on the details you've you've given, this could be everything from a fairly healthy situation that's very challenging and both people are, are trying hard, but it's rough, to something colossally unhealthy mm-hmm. uh, that we need to exit immediately in some way, shape, or fashion. And it all the difference between those two all kind of comes down to the fine details sure. um, is basically the thing. Um, if you don't have someone else to talk to, I'm going to volunteer Glenn. Mm-hmm. Uh, contact Glenn on his Tumblr. Uh, yep. he'd, he'd love to talk with you about that. Even if it's not Glenn, find someone who has some background with stuff and give them the raw deal. Here's yep. here's Sometimes in marriages, you can get this attitude of, well, I don't want to put my wife's business or my my husband's business out on front street or whatnot. Forget that for a second. You need to be able to talk. You need to be able to get the stuff out and you need to be able to get an outside opinion of what is actually going on here. Mm-hmm. So I really want to yeah. encourage you find someone and talk to them and get some perspective on the specifics of your situation. That's absolutely right. You can find Glenn's Tumblr at uncaglen.com. U N K A G L N.com. If you have a question for us, you can write into say that podcast at gmail.com. Or right, so at the bridge, chicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out the song this week. This is from our Bridge Loud catalog. Again, you can email us, thebridgeloud at gmail.com, or tune in on Q Rock online, 3 a.m. Central Time Saturday, or find the podcast every Friday on the Bridge Loud. This is our friend Haley Connor lending her vocals to a very rocked out version of Jed's worship song, Bigger Than My Fears. Great tune. We're going to take out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast. Feel the power of cod. The wild Alaskan cod. And Jesus.